This is College Football Weekly. College football like you've never heard it before. Now, here's Will Chambers and Tyler Walgie. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Another week. Tyler Walgie, professional better. Tyler, how you doing? Hello. He's doing good. That's that's a good hello. You think the audience knows about the Seinfeld hello? Hello. Certainly some of them do. Oh, oh, uh, I'm sure like 15% of them have seen Seinfeld. Someone before. out there does, yeah, for sure. People are I made Seinfeld. somebody laugh out there. I feel like the cross-section of Seinfeld fans and college football fans is probably pretty solid. Well, it was a while ago, but now we're getting to this new territory where this new this new generation. I don't know if they watch Seinfeld. These like damn kids. Like 25 and under. I don't You're know right. My younger Seinfeld. sister, I'm sure, like... She's probably never seen an episode yeah, of Seinfeld exactly. in her whole life. Yeah. She doesn't know what a cassette tape is. Hello. She doesn't know what Spare and Square is. <laughs> she does not know about sparing a square. Uh, I've spared square, many squares square in my day. <laughs> uh, yeah, week two in the books. And Tyler, Texas is not back. Texas is back, everybody. <laughs> that Texas is back was your stock up last week. Yep, Just I so thought they were clear. back. Yeah. <laughs> well, to, all right. So to be totally fair, yeah, they lose to LSU. I actually left, you know, left afterwards feeling actually re- super impressed with Texas. Um, for a team that had all the injuries at running backs, they're pulling like backup quarterbacks and guys off the defense to play running back in that game. They they basically had zero threat to run the ball or to hand it off. I'll say all game and for. Tom Herman is still be able to manufacture an explosive offense out of that by some design runs with uh, Sam Ellinger and all the talent they have at wide receiver in the passing game. I was actually really impressed with Texas. Obviously, their their defense needs a ton of work. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, but they look good. I mean, that was a great game. Well, they lost by seven. Was it exactly yeah. seven? So they tied the spread. So I mean, no, yeah. they they well they covered depending. Because we when we gave it out last week, it was still you could find six it and a half, four and a half, oh, or five. four and a half. Wow. I think it closed six and a half, so they did cover. Okay, good. Um, yeah, no, I mean, look, I was impressed with Texas overall. I still thought they would cover the spread. Tom Herman at home against a big time opponent, but this to me was more of uh, about LSU. I mean, I, I've not been the biggest Ed Orgeron supporter since he got the job. And I don't, know. I know, I don't know when I'm going to give in because even after that game, I'm like, well, look, he's hired a lot of people to come in and help the offense, so on and so forth. But I think it's time that, you know, a lot of people in my camp recognize that Ed Orgeron is probably a better coach than I gave him credit for. And he's proven me wrong one big game at a time. And that was huge for LSU. Now they've got a nice little stretch of, uh, of games coming up. So, yeah, man, they, I mean, LSU's offense was amazing. And, uh, you know, all the talk in the off season and before the game was all about this Joe Brady guy who, by the way, I didn't know this until they were showing the broadcast. He's only 29. So he's our age and he's like the hot passing game coordinator in football right now thing for this guy. Uh, I mean, maybe a little, that I don't know. So did you, right did you see some of the game planning? It's some <laughs> sexy stuff. Uh, no, but really, I mean, look, Joe Burrow, I, th- I saw something today that he jumped. At, uh, he's already part of the, uh, Heisman favorites now yeah. uh, after that performance. I, mean, I, I, I don't know part of the Heisman favorites but after like, the second week. Now you, I mean, you could see. Could you? Uh, maybe you can't. I can. I can see LSU winning the SEC now, beating Bama. It's certainly possible, right? I, I didn't we. Um I can't remember if it was on, and we have a lot of podcasts we do under the Woos Media umbrella. Did we pick our top six 
as a part of the uh, uh, I don't the think show so. Before. Um, I thought LSU would be right there in the five six spot before the season started. Look, I think LSU is a very good team, good personnel. I just thought the only thing keeping them back was that Orgeron. Right. So, I mean, I mean, if if he's not going to be a problem like I thought, then I think this team has all the uh, the talent in the world to win the SEC. Not even their their division. I think they can outright win the conference. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look the the LSU receivers are finally being utilized. Like LSU always has this. <laughs> uh, we got the dog playing with the toy here. Come on, Layla. Hey, every day is uh, bring your dog to work day here at the, at the studio. But, but you had like uh, so LSU. They have like a history of having these notable re- receivers who are like good in college, but not great, and then they have a breakout NFL career, right? Right. Uh, Brandon LaFell, Dwayne Bow, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., just to name a few. Now you actually have. They still have these crazy talented receivers, but they are actually being utilized in this offense properly. And I mean, they have some savages. Justin Jefferson goes nine catches, 163 yards, three touchdowns. Jamar Chase, eight catches, 147 yards. Terrace Marshall Jr., six catches, 123 yards and a touchdown. Three receivers over 120 yards. That's insane. No, that's crazy. And like you said. super crazy. But this is what we should have seen for LSU for the last couple years. I mean, this team gets so much talent. They're right there in the hub of college football recruiting nation. And it's LSU. It's a huge name. So the the fact that they always bring in all that talent. I mean, we should have been seeing this for a long time with LSU. What happened, I think, look, Les Miles was running that antiquated offense. Ed Orgeron came in and didn't really want to shake things up immediately, right? He didn't want to shock the boosters with anything, especially if it wasn't going to work. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed with what I'm seeing so far. For sure. I mean, uh, I expected their D to do a little better than that. I wouldn't have guessed that they would give up 400 yards and four touchdowns uh, through the air. Uh, I mean, Sam Ellinger just had a crazy well, game. Yeah, four, 400 yards, four touchdowns, also had 60 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. That I mean, he played so well. I think we also need to recognize that this was like a potential, you know, New Year's Six type of matchup. For so, sure. So, yeah. Texas still played really well. I think LSU is just a little bit better than a lot of people thought. So I think yeah. Texas is still a really good team. So the fact that the LSU gave up all those yards, that's not a huge negative for me. I'm no, you're downgrade right. Downgrade LSU at all. No, I agree. I, I guess I was just a little little surprised with all the talent they have on defense. But to me, like L- now LSU is right there in what I would consider like the the top tier. Uh, of college teams this year, which I I would say is Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. Now you add LSU to that, and then Oklahoma and Ohio State. I think the, those teams are on a level. You didn't completely say by you didn't themselves. say Michigan in there. Well. No, 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 I didn't. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, I did not. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. LSU looks amazing. I can't wait to see them go up against some of these bigger. You know that LSU Alabama game when it comes around is just going to be nuts. Yeah. Um, one thing I also noticed, I thought that I was like tripping at one point. I'm watching this game and LSU hands the ball off to a Fournette running back, and I'm like, <laughs> what is happening? So I look it up. It's uh, you know former. He was a Heisman. Was he a Heisman winner, Leonard Fournette, or did he I'm not, a finalist? I, I, I'm not I think sure. He was a Heisman I'm, finalist. I'm sure. He has a younger brother who plays there, whose name is Leonard. No, it's always <laughs> there's Leonard Fournette who is in the NFL, plays for the Jags, and now you have Leonard, or maybe it's Leonard. I don't know. It's of course. <laughs> how can you give two brothers names like that, Leonard and Leonard, or <laughs> Leonard and Leonard, whatever uh, it is? I remember. Uh, I remember when CU was playing UTEP. This was probably like ten years ago. Yeah, in I don't know some random bowl, and one of their players' names was Ibok Ibok. 
Yeah, the, they just went with that's the good. last name. They're, they're you know, that's like bowl bowl. What do you think? Yeah, exactly, bowl bowl player. <laughs> I bought, I bought. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck, man? <laughs> that's what I said when I saw that. I was like, okay, Leonard and Leonard. That's some. That is some special stuff. So that was a big game. Another great game from this weekend that uh, you know maybe wasn't expected to be as exciting as it was, especially the finish. Tyler, you were present. Colorado and Nebraska. Yeah, how about that? Buffs getting the uh, big win at home. That was huge, right? Dude, and the comeback. They were down, oh what, 17? Yeah, 17 nothing. Yeah, and, at, halftime. And, uh, at halftime. Unbelievable, yeah, they man. started slow. Now, let's obviously, we're not going to break down the CU-Nebraska game too much, but I do have a quick story. Yeah, so I'm interested to hear about this because you called me on Sunday and said I have a really good story for the show, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Can I take a, take a guess? Sure. Here's my guess. Sure. So one observation I noted now Tyler, uh, Tyler has been a lifelong season ticket holder uh, for the for the Buffs. Should and I sing the fight song right now? No, that's everyone? that's okay. okay um, right. You know, look, I like you, but your singing voice is a whole other story. Um, I so I know I've you've I've gone to games with you. I know where your tickets are, and what I noticed during the game is that that whole section <laughs> was red. Yeah, and so my guess here's my guess is that you had a uh, maybe a spirited confrontation some words exchanged with some nebraska fans am i am no. i warm no not even close oh wow okay what happened well everybody out there this was simultaneously the worst college football saturday and the best college football saturday <laughs> of my life okay now keep in mind see you when they won the national championship that was not on the saturday so it doesn't really right. fall into this you were also i was a, a, I was a wee one <laughs> but still that can be it can be considered in the yes. best days so, Nebraska coming to Boulder. This game, they, Nebraska had not come to Boulder in 10 years. Obviously, used to be a huge rivalry. means a lot to CU fans. And, I mean, I'd had this game circled for years on the calendar. This was the game I'd lo- I was looking forward to. Driving up to the game on Saturday, um, everything was pretty much normal. Got uh, my girlfriend. I was going up there with her to Boulder. We get about, uh, I'm about an hour and a half away or so from where I was. Get about halfway there. Sort of seeing some smoke coming from the tailpipe. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> this is not going how I expected. Okay. No. Uh, a week prior to this, I saw the check engine light go on, and it said I needed oil. Put some oil in there, check engine light went off. So I just thought I was low on oil. I also know it was leaking a little bit. <laughs> so I'm headed to the CU game. Well, the check engine light comes back on, says I need some oil, and I see some smoke coming from the tailpipe. So I'm like, damn it. Like, it just must be low on oil again. Like, really low. So I pull over to whatever, just a shop at a car shop your car is fairly new isn't it well 2013 okay and i bought it new yeah and uh yeah so pretty much i mean it's got like eighty five thousand. yeah miles you don't expect uh, you know a five-year-old car to break down no you don't i mean it's it's the first time i've ever had issues with it too and so anyway i uh, got two more quarts of oil filled it up and essentially i figured this out on monday morning too it's, much oil <laughs> it's fucking totaled what yeah what? Yeah. What happened? So, it's, I mean, without going again into too much detail here, it, the, some oil wasn't getting to two of the cylinders, and it was overflowing two other cylinders. Oh, no. So the engine was just just awful. It was torn apart. And oh, so, no. I, I had no idea. I had zero idea this would be going on. My check engine light just came on. I had no idea this was happening. So, wow. Yeah, that so it's going to be expensive as hell. Yeah, so, but here's the thing. It's so, I didn't know at this point that my car was that fucked. So it's like, whatever. So we're on the side of the highway. And at this point, I'm, I'm distraught. Like, I'm not going to go to the game. Well, I start putting some things together going, you know what? I'm getting there. I don't Uber. care. Uber I, exactly. Exactly. So I call AAA. 
We get a tow truck to come get my car. He actually takes us north one exit, so it's going to be a shorter Uber ride. Allie, who is my girlfriend, Allie and I get out of the car. We ran to the liquor store real quick. Need some beer after that one. <laughs> she went, ran to the gas station. Um, you know, about 15, 20 minutes had passed. We get the Uber heading up. The Uber is almost to, uh, getting to us. We're getting everything together, and I realize... I left the tickets in the car. <laughs> tickets were Where headed is your car now? Back down. It's it's in Highland Ranch, Christian Brothers Automotive. So it's like four, Wait, like an hour so south the, of the where tow we were. truck had already taken the yeah, car yeah. that far south. That, that far south. That's how long it took you to get beer? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> it no it wasn't that long. It was about 15 20 minutes to, and Ali had to go to the gas station. Yeah. And but so even a, still, it's going that, in the opposite but, direction. But I was I couldn't get a hold of him. I didn't have a cell phone number. So I called AAA. They couldn't get him, get a hold of him. Oh, so no. it was this whole thing where I was trying to call like through AAA to get him. And at that point, again, I was so excited because I'm like, I'm still going to get to go to this game. It's all going to work out. <laughs> oh, my God. And so at that point, the game was pretty much starting. So I just Ubered all the way back home and just watched the game from my house. Oh, no way. Yes, man. No way. I, I didn't know this. I assumed you were there the whole time. Mm, no. I had no idea. No. Oh, dude. I Brutal. Know. Especially know. with that comeback. Oh, Tyler. Yeah, I know, man. Dude. I was distraught. It was one of the worst. Again, one of the best because it was a huge comeback from CU. Right. I mean, that's so you, funny because yeah like I said when I saw on the TV which I'm sure you saw so and that made me all the more disgusted because I'm like oh my god I should be there sit, like, someone yes, sitting in your seats yes, wearing red probably. yeah so w- last week you know I had mentioned that Nebraska fans had talked about this whole they were going to take over uh, Folsom Field and I was like oh I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a third of the stadium it was like, it was like th- half it was like more than half yeah. it was huge there was Nebraska fans everywhere your whole section so as I'm watching the game at home I'm thinking especially when you're down 17 nothing I'm like Tyler's <laughs> pulling his hair out he's ready to murder the guy next to him some some friendly farmer that's sitting there is about, about to get attacked and then as the game progressed I was like at least he gets this comeback victory which was amazing by the way it was a great game it was awesome it was great and and, and the other thing too is we come back home and I have a whole routine for when I watch my games. I'm very, when you're at a college football game, A, it's not as noticeable when you're kind of really erratic when you're a big fan because everyone else is, everyone else around you is kind of doing the same thing, kind of, hey, you're getting crazy too, right? Right. So when you're alone by your by yourself at your house, it's much more noticeable, obviously. Oh, yeah. My girlfriend had never seen this side of me, right? She'd never been to a CU game well, No, you? she'd been to oh, CU games. But, but you're right. I it's do, a different setting. When I'm at my house, and usually for the road games, obviously, I have this whole routine where I sync up the radio with the TV. Oh, yeah, I, wow. I, I get this whole like setup going to where I don't like to get up during the games, really. I don't eat during the games, usually. God, you're a hard I, I know, and so I, get, I have my whole thing, and so... I did that. I got my whole setup and we got back. And so she's just kind of on the couch and I'm two feet away from the TV, just going nuts for three and a half hours over this game. And so poor Allie. Is she okay? (laughs) She is. Still, She didn't break up with you after (laughs) seeing that? No, she was okay with all of it and understood (laughs) how much it meant to me. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, look, it's, it's college football. You gotta, Oh, I get it, man. Dude, how about Steven Montez in that game? That second half, he was throwing darts. Yeah. CU's quarterback, Steven Montez. He started slow. Like, look, Lazy interception in the first half. I mean, typical Steven Montez, but then he came back in the, in the second half. And I tell you what, there's one guy who you want on, on your sideline where you need a good drive. He's proven he can do that. For sure. And folks, for those who don't know, Steven Montez, likely to be drafted next year in the NFL, probably in the later rounds, but still, quarterback from CU, 6'4", 225, got that quarterback build. He expect to hear his name next, uh, what is it, April they do the draft? Something like that. Yeah, so yeah. anyway, it was... Uh, 
It was a good Saturday and it was a bad Saturday. Good well, and bad Saturday for you. Yeah, yeah. A no, little no bit car, of a, though. A little bit of a good, yeah, bummer about your car. Yeah. A little good and bad Saturday for me, too. So we, we mentioned the Michigan Army game. So you know what? I got to say this because <laughs> when we did our season preview and when we talked about this game, you kind of mocked me a little bit when I said, I, I like Navy here. Or, or sorry, I not totally Navy, Army. I mocked you. Yes. Yeah, you were like, come hysterical. on, dude. Michigan's going to blow them out. And I was like, no, 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 dude. Well, There's because, something about these because Army Because this is teams. what you do, Will. You like to set yourself up for feeling good. So you always put Michigan's expectations at the very bottom of where they could be. So you always say, well, I don't know. Michigan could play like a high school team tomorrow. You'd be like, Tyler, this high school team threw for 350 <laughs> I wasn't saying that <laughs> against Middle Tennessee State. Okay, I won't be saying that when they play Rutgers. But Army, man, Army came out and look. A lot of the the wounds for Michigan were self inflicted. They had three fumbles in the first half. Yeah, I mean, only three fumbles all of last season. Is it appropriate to you could play this? Yeah, it was a yakety sax game for sure. This, this is like this is in the background of Michigan's Michigan's first half. offense. Yeah. yeah, their offense. You know, their the defense. <laughs> Some Benny Hill stuff. Shea Patterson running in and out of a door in a hallway trying to chase an Army cadet. Yeah. No, I mean, look, the defense did their job. Uh, the Army option is just always so tough to defend. So for them to hold them to only 14 points in the... Uh, but it's not just the Army option. Army's got a lot of guys back from last year. This is like Oh, a yeah, a really good, good team. Is, yeah, this They're is one a of the team. best like, so, academy teams. You know, obviously I'm glad that Michigan won and that I was right on my bet. But it was a nightmare... <laughs> to to watch because so like after at, at at the end of the first half army's up 14-7 and i'm already at this I point didn't watch it. Wait, i've what already time did the game start it was the 10 10 o'clock 10 o'clock mountain time so mm-hmm. it was uh, you know noon eastern um and uh so i'm at halftime i'm i'm already saying michigan's not winning this game and even at the end <laughs> of the third quarter i was like e- even if michigan wins this game i even tweeted it out from my twitter account i was like Michigan doesn't deserve to win this game. They played so terrible on offense. And like against Army, you just can't do that because what happens is you turn the ball over and then Army goes seven minutes, 11 plays and punches one in and it's just demoralizing. And their defense is tough too. They're not, it's not just the option. They have a tough defense, but Michigan survives. The question marks on offense are huge and they do get a bye week next week, uh, which is really big because they have a couple guys that are beat up. Uh, they can get back. And then next, the week after that, week uh, four, they go at Wisconsin, and Wisconsin has a bye week this week too. So that game, it like you know, we'll get to that when we get to next week's show. But I don't feel good about that game at all. Wisconsin looks really good. Did you say Michigan has a bye this week? Yeah. Okay. I mean, perfect time for the bye. Yeah. Um, for, I mean, it's necessary. Yeah, they got to clean that stuff up. I was reading an article on ESPN this weekend, and it had a bunch of random. Um, I don't want to say random. I, I should say missile. Um, uh, Quotes without the the names attached to them. Anonymous. That's right. the word I'm looking for. Is Anonymous. The big, the quotes. big Ten one. Did you see that too? I, they every quoting, year they do that. Yeah. Where they were quoting different Big Ten coaches about the staffs. Right. And, and what almost every Big Ten coach said, knowing Jim Harbaugh, is, yeah, we'll see how long this lasts. Him not calling plays. Do you think he, they're committed no. fully? Yeah. Think, so that's been a Gaddis. Is Josh Gaddis? Yeah, he's the new offense. You think it, you think it's Josh Gaddis or Bust this year? You don't think there's any time yes. where Harbaugh? No, takes no, no. A play and, and that's but that's been a huge talking point all offseason. You're not the only one to bring this up. To say, you know, I just don't believe it. Well, I read Harbaugh's it in that article. To, right. And yeah, for sure. And 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 everyone's been talking about this. But what they've come out and said, this is interviews from Josh Gaddis from Jim Harbaugh, unequivocally, is that Jim Harbaugh's not even in the offensive meetings anymore. Uh, he's not calling the plays. The only reason why Josh Gaddis took this job, I'm sure, is because he said, look, this is my offense. You, I have the keys. 
were calling my plays. I mean, this is not a system that Harbaugh's ever run anywhere, not when he was playing, not when he was coaching, anywhere else. So, yeah, I, like I'm sure that when they're talking while uh, Gas is up in the booth, they have the headsets, they're discussing different plays. But it's what Harbaugh has said this, Gaddis has said this, that it's, it's Gaddis's call. Harbaugh is not calling the plays. And I don't think that you'll see... Like what you can't do because if if Harbaugh says all right this offense is bad we're going back to my way you can't work all off season and all season long on a spread and then go back to what Harbaugh wants to do which is an I form a fullback you know three tight ends and one you know one receiver no running back that kind of like old school stuff you can't just shift to that in the middle of the season and so no I don't think that will happen it doesn't mean the offense is going to be great under Gaddis we saw on Saturday there's real question marks for them. If they can figure it out, though, they have the talent to, to, to put up points. We talked about this before the season started, and I was not, I was skeptical about Gaddis, right? Looking at his past. Right. A, a lot of people were. Rightfully right? so, yeah. But, and this was actually before a lot of that rhetoric went around nationally. When I'm just looking at this guy's Wikipedia, it's like, what has he done? Don't you think Michigan, being who Michigan is, that they could have gotten somebody else who's done this before? Yep, yeah, I mean, maybe. Look, uh, Harbaugh, you know, look, he hasn't been, uh, he's made a lot of mistakes while he's been at Michigan. He hasn't been perfect. One thing that he's done a great job at though, uh, is when he picks a new coordinator, they tend to be, uh, really highly regarded and they tend to work out really well. We, he, we saw that with Don Brown who, you know, has had basically three bad defensive performances in his three years at Michigan. Uh, every other one has been lights out. They've been top, you know, a top three or five teams statistically in the defense every year under him. And so this Gaddis guy was definitely being sought after, but you're right. He'd never called plays before. He'd never actually been an offensive coordinator. He'd been a wide receivers coach and a passing game coordinator an assistant offensive coordinator, things like that, co-offensive coordinator. So it is a little surprising. And I do think if they wanted to get someone else, they could have, but also, you know, it was a, it was a, I think they were late in the game. By the time they were going out to get a new offensive coordinator, a lot of coaching, changes had already happened throughout the country you'd already seen guys like josh gaddis for instance you know he was on alabama's offensive squad with uh mike loxley mike loxley goes to take the job at maryland and josh gaddis was going with him when harbaugh made the call so he had already decided he was going somewhere else he was going to be the offense coordinator at maryland and that's when jim harbaugh came calling and said come you know come do it for me but I, I like what LSU did. They went to the Saints and got yeah. that passing Joe coordinator, yeah. and they paid him a ton of money to yeah. come over because he'd done it before. He'd done it with the that Saints. That dude's not going to be around for long. You know how many oh, teams are sure. going to say, we'll give you the reins. You won't just be the passing coordinator. You'll be the offensive coordinator. Hindsight's twenty twenty. It's easy to say they shouldn't have gone with him after that Army performance, and I think we are discounting Army a little bit here. But it's concerning, and this is this is Michigan's year. Like, this is... It seems like this is no, like your right. window. Like, it you know, sets up nicely. Ryan Day's first year... You know, they right. like this just But okay, so yeah, obviously it's easy to just say that maybe Gaddis wasn't the right hire, but also let's right. maybe slow our roll. There's only been two weeks. Army is a strange team. They play a very aggressive defense. I thought we were coming with overreactions, Will. Michigan is out of it. They're gonna go five hundred this year. Oh, I don't know about that. They're gonna relocate to I never Canada. I didn't, I didn't even pick them to win the Big Ten. So I don't know what you're talking about out of I it. I picked them to win the Big yeah, Ten. Yeah, I know you did. And I think they they can. But look, what I've been, what I've out. said about Michigan now. this whole time is like, you know, I do this with a lot of teams that I'm not just gonna pick against a trend that has been going on for so long. You got to prove it to me first. So I'm not gonna pick Michigan to beat Ohio State or to win the Big Ten until they do it. And look, I think that Josh Gaddis, 
uh, very well could be the right hire here. We don't know. And just going off of, you know, two uh, performances hasn't been great. They, you know, they've had some injuries. Not that a lot of teams don't. Uh, that's not an excuse. But let's just maybe slow our roll on saying this guy was the wrong hire until we see a little bit more. I'm not, not going to slow down. We'll see what happens. You know what? <laughs> Dude, the Wisconsin game in two weeks is going to be big. So No, look, I mean... I think also that once they get going in Big Ten defenses, defenses that they know a little bit more, at least that maybe Gaddis has been preparing for a little bit more in the offseason, right. we see a lot of times in college football, offenses take that leap from the first month to the second month. Yeah. So, or sometimes we'll teams see. look really good early and then end up terrible later or Who do you think is going to win the Big Ten? Ohio State. Yeah. I mean, look, they. Uh, it's fair to say that, and I look, I, I agree with a lot of the sentiment, which is, you can't just lose Urban Meyer and not see that on the field, and I think that's very possible. But look, man, Ohio State looks awesome, and they may not have played super tough competition yet. Cincinnati was a good team; they blew them out, by the way. Uh, they, this kind of reminds me of Oregon. Remember how Chip Kelly leaves, and then that next year, Mark Helfrich, the offensive coordinator, ends up taking them all the way to the national championship game in 2015, which they lost to Ohio State. I could kind of see a similar trajectory where. The program is in great shape. The head coach leaves, which is Urban Meyer. The offense coordinator takes over Ryan Day, and he has a great first year, and then maybe you know, in the second or third year, numbers kind of dip a little bit. I think it's hard to follow a guy like Urban Meyer. But you know, we can't – at this point, how can you not pick Ohio State? Have you seen what they've done on the field? They're freaks, and their defense looks even better than it did last year. You know, I mean, they're much more improved. No, that – I mean – they're exceeding expectations so far. I think Ryan Day is proving a point through the first couple games of the season. And it's Ohio State, so we know that they're going to obviously have that talent. Yeah. But, I mean, you want to hear one? You want another zinger? Yeah. I've got one in my pocket Hit for today. One. Ryan Day, more like Ryan Knight. <laughs> I, don't get I don't get it. First I mean, of all, he's been amazing. Yeah. Uh, and they, both their games have been during the day. Man, I've just had that one ready to go. So I will say, like an appropriate time. he reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you saw the Netflix documentary on that whole Fire Festival thing, the I music didn't. festival. Uh-huh. The fire. He looks like the Fire Fest CEO guy. <laughs> He's like a spitting image of him. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. No, Ohio State You're, you're good. the one over here who watches, uh, what is it, Undercover Boss all the time? Isn't that your favorite show? No. <laughs> Were you the one telling me about Undercover Boss? <laughs> no, I've literally never watched Undercover <laughs> so, Boss. It must have been someone else. Dude, your memory. You are, you're the resident old guy here. You I can't know. Remember oh, whose conversations Look, it's, pod, you're it's podcast season. I'm, I, you guys keep coming in, and I forget yeah. who's telling me these things. So, uh, did anyway. you see any of the Clemson Texas A&M game, or was that um, went during your whole car breaking down extravagant? No, no, that wasn't that on. Uh, that was on. I think that was on during the CU game. So I had it on the side TV. I wasn't. Paying, yeah, you're right. It was. I wasn't paying that much attention. I saw what Clemson got. Uh, Clemson was up. And then Texas A&M did get the backdoor cover, which was nice for all of us uh, Aggie betters. But Clemson was in control the I whole leaned, game. Look, I leaned Clemson that game because yeah. I, I thought that last year's – a lot of my handicap was last year's game. That they got caught off guard last year. wasn't going to happen again this year. The back door was open, and that's sometimes how football goes. Yeah, I mean, look, A&M just couldn't really get anything going on offense. Clemson's defense was just completely shutting down Kellen Mond. You know what I'd be interested to do? What? As a study and see – how often 
football, you get that kind of late cover compared to other sports. I think it. Ha- I mean, especially in college football, exactly. because it's easier for teams to score, and you know the team that's blowing them out lets up, and their exactly. their, their exactly. bench players come in. They take their foot off the gas. Right. And it just becomes easier to come back. Yeah. So yeah. yeah I, that, I don't have this. I mean, but. look if you if you pick Clemson, that's definitely a tough way to lose your bet. But A and M, you're happy to see it even when it comes in late. Texas A&M, though. Look, their defense is good. To me, that is a program that, you know, you give Jimbo Fisher another year or two, you get him a real quarterback, someone better than Kellen Mond, and I could see them being a real contender in the SEC. You were talking about uh, Ryan Day looking like that one dude. Yeah. uh, Did you Google him or something? No, 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 no. I got to find his name. Jimbo Fisher, you know who he sounds like? He Uh, sounds like George Bush. Yeah, <laughs> George does, W. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, you know he's, he's got it. That's those southern mannerisms. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> Fire festival. I got to find this guy's name for you, so, you, so everyone can look it up. Because uh, the yeah, <laughs> I think that Ryan Day looks a lot like his name is Billy McFarland. If you just Google Billy McFarland, this is from Undercover Boss, right? <laughs> Fire the Firefest. Gosh, you're so out of touch, Tyler. <laughs> this was a very topical thing about six months ago. But Billy McFarland looks like a young. A very young Ryan Day, <laughs> so the, the, uh, you guys will get a kick out of that. Anyone who knows no who he is, so we landed on the moon. <laughs> um, also, so look, you know my my college football routine is typically I wake up and then I'm watching football from you know the the first games kick off 10 a.m. here you Mountain Time. A few steps there, and from, <laughs> come on, will be honest. I wake up, I get my breakfast burrito, I get my coffee. There we go, and then I sit down, I watch game day or whatever. And then I usually watch for all the way from 10 a.m. I'm just glued to my couch until that last Pac-12 after dark game ends, which is usually around like 10, 30, 11 my time. This Washington Cal game, it was delayed because of lightning in Seattle. I lost so much money on that it game. It, I, yeah, I lost a parlay on that one. And it didn't kick off until I think like 11 or it kicked off for a minute and then it was delayed and they didn't come back until I think 1130 our time. Shouldn't that benefit the home team? Chris Peterson, you get Washington. I was so yeah. shocked that Cal came out and looked better. Well, Cal Cal gave him a really... Did Cal beat them last year? I know it was a close game last year. Cal did this. Will you look that up for yeah. me? Yeah, the 2018 Cal-Washington game. I know it was close, and I think Cal may have even beaten them. Look, Justin Wilcox is their head coach. He's a defensive guy. One thing we know about Cal is their defense is super tough, and their offense totally sucks. And so they are... You can... You know, every every year you're going to get a handful of times where they play a game like this, where uh, they play really they, close teams. They won 12-10 last exactly. year. Exactly. So that's two years in a row. Cal's beaten Washington. Wow. But th- you're right. This is the first time that Chris Peterson has lost at home in like three seasons, I think. But it's also the fact that they were at home and went through that weather delay. If I were right. live betting that game and had the option, I would then Washington. re-bet on Washington. Yeah, yeah. because... I already like them with the spread and everything else. Right. Now that increases their chances to, you know. So I, I tried to stay awake. I was on the couch and it was like halftime and then I, I fall asleep on the couch because now at halftime it's like 1.30 in the morning and I wake, I just happen to wake up on the couch right as Cal is about to score the game-winning <laughs> field goal. They're like right then. I was like, great, because I had... Wasn't that about 2.30 in the morning? Yeah, it was super late. Do you want to know how I know what time it was? This is bizarre. I'm sorry to interrupt your story, but I randomly woke up and, and was like... Oh, you and I were 2.30, honestly, 2.30, and I checked the score because I had money on it. And I was just telepathically sending you messages like, Tyler, get up. We have, to do, <laughs> we have to do this. Yeah, so Washington loses. That's super disappointing, especially because in that first week, which you know was just... Uh, Eastern Washington, not a good team. Jacob Easton looks so good, and then against Cal, he just looks terrible. You know, look, this is a tough for the Huskies. I, at this point, I think you can most likely say they're probably going to be out of it. They they look like they're, oh, they're yeah. not. I, Oregon looks and, way better than them. 
Uh, Unless Cal goes undefeated, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And oh, seriously, though, that, that, that's just a tough hit for way. the Pac 12 because the, I think if the Pac 12 wants to get someone in the playoffs, having a team like Washington be undefeated is a big deal. Well, CU, they're still undefeated. You're right. You're very right. They could do that. Uh, speaking of Pac 12 teams, USC hammers Stanford. They blow them out with the backup quarterback, Caden or Keaton Slovis, who, by the way, throws for. 370 yards, three touchdowns came in. You know, you and I had kind of debated this game last week about will we take the under, will we take USC. USC covers and the over hits. Well, remember, we we gave it out to the audience that I did like the under, but that stat that the last nine games in Los Angeles they played, it was Went one over, and eight right. to, so, to, to the under. So it's tough. That, yeah. it, and you talked about it early in the podcast, how you don't like bucking history. Right. And I think we both agree with that, but that that's one of those historical trends that's pretty powerful. For sure. We saw it again. And once again, the you know USC just proves that they can just pull guys from their quarterback ranks and if those guys, you know, they have the talent around them, they're bound to have good games. This dude looks awesome. This is a big, a big win for Clay Helton and for Graham Harrell, the new offensive coordinator. It's huge to have a, a guy come in, and it's really interesting too because just this week, I don't know if you saw this, Tyler, uh, Lynn Swan steps down as the athletic director at USC. There are already rumors swirling. I saw it today. This was uh, I saw on OJ Twitter. Simpson. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> the juice is back. Um, no. Uh, I saw a rumor swirling that uh, the USC, I think it's the board of directors or whatever, sure. they are looking to make an offer at Ohio State Ath- Athletic Director Gene Smith in order to pull him and Urban Meyer both. So the mm-hmm. jokes about Urban Meyer to USC are just heating up. It's setting up now because Clay Helton's only supporter there, <laughs> Lynn Swan, with what little support he did have. He was already on the hot seat. You know, now a new athletic director a new athletic director could come in and say, you know, I don't even care if UFC, UFC, if USC <laughs> wins nine games this year. Sorry, you're out, Clay. We're we're bringing in, you know, Urban Meyer or whatever. What do you think about that? I love it. Look, I'm not a. I'm always a fan of drama, right? That's what helps our show. Yeah. It helps the world of college football. Makes things more exciting. College football is always better with Urban Meyer in it. I'm sorry, but he's kind of that villain. You either love him or hate him. I don't know too many college football fans that go. Yeah, he's okay, right? right. So yeah. I would love to see him at USC. Um, I am a – obviously, you know, I'm a Buffs guy, so that wouldn't be the best thing for CU. But in terms of, of the Pac-12, there needs to be a change in the next couple of years. Yeah. Urban Meyer would bring a lot of talent. They need elite. USC to be good. And, and look – I think that there's example after example of coaches coming in and immediately changing things. I think coaching is so much more important in college football than it is in the NFL. A small-time example, but again, here close to home, maybe we'll have to have a production meeting after this and you can yell at me about talking about so much Colorado sports, but CSU. They hire Mike uh, McIntyre or uh, she, Mike Bobo. No, uh, um, this is before uh, Jim McElwain. Excuse me. Oh, right. Jim McElwain a couple years ago. He goes to CSU. This he's sandwiched in between two bad coaches, and he takes that team and immediately wins double digits. Has them in the top twenty-five in one year. That's what a good coach can do. If Nick Saban right. comes to you know CSU or any small school, he has them at double digits in a year or two. So coaching is so important, and Urban Meyer would immediately bring that elite level. Oh, uh, yeah. Expectation back to USC. And the recruiting comes back because, look, USC is always going to recruit well because they are right there in, in what is, you know, that Southern California area is one of the three hotspots for the best talent in uh, in high school is football. Is that still true? Yes. It's Los Angeles. Uh, it's the whole state of California. It's Texas and it's Florida. Those are the three top, one, uh, top, top states for that. So they're right there. They have all the talent in the world they need. But 
even this year, they've been struggling on the recruiting trail because guess what? Kids don't want to... If How how can Clay Helton come and sit on your couch and say, you're going to play for me for the next three years, right? He's also about as fun as a glass of water. Well, there's that, but even it's the job security, right? I mean, it would be tough to say, yeah, I'm going to go play for this guy. I don't even know if he's going to be there in a year, right? right? right. So... You know, they even if they show success in the field, I think that either Clay Helton needs a vote of confidence from the new athletic director, or if they bring in Urban Meyer, look out because they're going to start recruiting like gangbusters. I think this guy's done. I mean, I I think the writing's on the wall, and it's kind of unfortunate because we sit here and we talk about this, and we've done it, you know, for years now. And and there's so many different guys who we see come and go, and it's so easy for us to say fire him, fire him, fire him. At the end of the day, this is people's jobs and livelihoods, and we should never cheer for people to be fired, but. Look, the, the 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 facts are the facts, and this is USC. This is a different level job. Yep. I mean, I, I just think that you know everything is set in motion to to get Urban Meyer there for sure. While yeah. we're on the Pac-12, quickly, is Chip Chip Kelly's real name, or is it like short for something? No, I think it's uh, most chips that I've met in my life. It's it's uh, you know it's kind of a nickname. Um, I I actually uh, know a couple chips in my life. One of them is Barry. Um, mm. I don't know how that you know usually it's like a family name. So I don't know. I don't think that's his his. Uh, I his wonder Christian if he name, likes you could say. chips. Uh, if we could do, he uh, looks like he likes chips. I'm big on like coach <laughs> advertisements. Chip Kelly's chips. The other one I've talked to you about this before. T- uh, Tommy Tupperville's Tupperware. What happened to Tommy Tupperville? Uh, he's now in the Tupperware business. <laughs> no, no, he's he's not. I think he's a TV guy. Is he? Or he's coaching at like you know, Southern. I'm gonna look that Louisiana up. Tech. Tommy Tuberville. He got a bad rap, man. That's a good name. You could do it, a lot I mean, with that name. He did have like one good year at Clemson. Um, but imagine, you know, you're a Clemson coach and then Dabo Sweeney comes in. No one's going to remember you. So Dabo Sweeney. Yeah. I mean, Chip Kelly's chips. But how are you going to get Chip Kelly in a commercial acting happy and fun? He's That's not his style at all. Uh, my guess Chip that he's, Kelly's chips. He could just be eating chips. Have a narrator. I think he already is eating chips. He's just eating <laughs> he looks like he's. It looks like he's just. He's having fun feasting on chips. So speaking of UCLA, by the way, Tommy Tuberville is not coached since 2016. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So he is making Tupperware. Um, <laughs> so speaking of, it's it's funny you bring up UCLA because the thing I wanted to talk about next is three teams that are 0 and 2 and having a really shitty start. UCLA 0 and 2. Uh, you know, obviously they lost to Cincinnati. Uh, then they, they lose at home to San Diego State last week. That one hurts. Tennessee, brutal loss to BYU. I don't know if you saw this one late. At yeah, night. bad, bad. So bad. They, I mean, they, they had the game locked up, and they essentially let BYU get away with you know almost a Hail Mary type play. Um, and then Miami starts on to They lose to North Carolina. Oh, Mac Brown was... just turned like North That was Carolina one of my games of the week, hot. though. That was one of my games of the week. Was it? Maybe not. Maybe on it might have been the on show. your on yeah. the sharp angle. Yeah. Um, but not on this show. I don't think we had it on no, the show. But right. those three teams, Tennessee, UCLA, Miami, all, you know, at one time premier programs who have fallen on hard times, 0-2. Who out of those teams you think is in the best spot? Miami. Uh, Miami. Because the recruiting situation, I think that uh Manny Diaz Ha- he's it's a learning curve. I mean, the, the ACC is tough. The first first couple games, he gets Florida, okay, national TV, first game of the year. Good luck there. And then he goes on the road to an extremely underrated UNC team. If if you look at <sighs> UNC last year, look how many of their losses were close. In college football, I truly believe that you're dealing with so many more emotions that w- 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 when you have three or four close losses, sometimes the kids quit. Last year, I don't I don't remember UNC's coach's name. They quit on that guy. 
They, they, Larry Fedora. They, I they completely threw in the towel last year. So what we have here is a team that whose record doesn't actually reflect how good they are as a team. They get Mac Brown, who a lot of people didn't like at first. He changes things. You hear these kids talk about him. They call him the Godfather. Yeah. They, they, they love Mac oh, Brown. He is really old. He is completely. He's sixty-four. I mean, Bill Belichick or uh, Bill Belichick, sixty-eight. Yeah, but if you show, <laughs> he's completely. <laughs> those guys are different. Sixty-fours uh, and sixty-eights. He has completely saying. changed that locker room. He's he's revitalized them. He is sixty-four, but he's he's coming in there like he's. 44. Oh, I agree. So what he's done is take this talent level, and now they are again under uh, under rated in the marketplace. That doesn't mean they're going to win the ACC, even though we do have a couple of surprise predictions coming up. That may be oh one of my God, surprise I predictions. Um, but I think this is an incredibly underrated team, and I may be overreacting from their first two games, but that was one of the worst trap, awful spots for Manny Diaz's team to go second week of the season. Everyone expected them to roll to roll over UNC. They were they opened up huge favorites on the road, right? right? The, the, the talent level, it's UNC. Look at the history. So... It was just a bad spot. Whenever you're expected to go in, look at ask Tom Herman, right? When you're expected to go in and do something, it's very difficult to exceed those expectations. I think they just got a bad spot with UNC. And again, I'm not calling them the ACC champs. But Tyler's picking underrated. them to go to the playoff. You heard it here first. <laughs> uh, no, look, I, I agree with you, and I'm I've been super impressed by Mac Brown, by the way. And at this point, isn't he, dude? I'm telling you what, he's he's turned them around really quickly. But that being said, I'm sorry. Tyler, Miami should never lose to North Carolina. Not when you look at the talent on their roster. I don't care if they have a new coach. I don't care if they have a redshirt freshman quarterback. Their defense was one of the best in the, in the nation last year. They are in the, like a hotbed of high school talent. Miami should always beat North Carolina. North Carolina is a basketball school. It is not a football school. And so, yeah, like I'm all about Mac Brown right now, return of the Mac. I love it. At this point, I'll, I'll be picking them whenever they're an underdog this week, uh, especially. But... I that's that's a horrible start for Miami and the fact that they are losing to North Carolina is a super bad sign for me. It is a bad sign, but again, my, my, my whole point is the question, Tennessee, UCLA, Miami, I still think Miami's in the best spot because of the talent they have and because it's Manny Diaz's first season and he's just getting going and so three things. I don't want to be I don't want to confuse people here. I think they're the best they're they're in the best spot between Tennessee, UCLA and Miami. I think they're in that spot. Be- or I think they're in the best spot because Manny Diaz is a new coach, right? So he's still getting going, and I think that the schedule wasn't favorable. So I think a lot of things are kind of stacked against Miami here. Yeah, I think that of those three teams, Miami does make the biggest changes this season. But we're going to learn a lot about Manny Diaz because what we saw last year, a Miami team that kind of again s- similar to UNC maybe stop playing as hard right. as they could at the end of the season. They could stop playing hard now at exactly, this point. They exactly. had high hopes. I think we learn a lot about Manny Diaz this season and, and how Miami, uh, yeah. and, and how they respond. What do you think? Tennessee, UCLA, Miami, who's in the best spot right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think, I, I, I look, I agree with you. I, at this point, Miami is in, this, in the best spot, and you look at their schedule, I think they probably end up with the most wins out of all those teams, and Tennessee is by far in the worst spot. The fact they lost to Georgia State and BYU, like how are they going to even grind out an SEC win at this point in the regular season? But Miami's schedule, which before the season kind of looked like an easy one, a lot of people were taking their over on their season win total, which I think was nine or nine and a half. After losing at North Carolina, now you have to <laughs> question: Are are they going to beat Virginia Tech at home? They play Virginia at home. Uh, they have to go at Florida State, Louisville at home. Who Louisville, by the way, didn't look nearly as bad as they were last year when they played Notre Dame last week. Those are tough games, and you're right. With a team like Miami that had high hopes, you know, can 
is Manny Diaz going to lose the locker room if they end up with four or five losses going into you know those last couple weeks? Let me ask you a new question. Yeah. Let, let, let me shuffle things around here. All right. Who is in a better spot between these two teams? We'll keep Miami in the conversation. Florida State, who just won by one point against uh, <laughs> Louisiana State, Monroe. Monroe. Yeah. Florida State or Miami. Powerhouse Louisiana Monroe. <laughs> who's in the best spot between those two teams? Florida State. Only because they at least, you know, they've got more. Florida State has a better track record in recent history of success. And I think they do have a little bit more talent than Miami right now. And a better quarterback. They have like, you know, a new hip young offensive coordinator. To me, Florida State's issues are a little bit easier to iron out than what Miami has. Miami needs a, like uh, basically a whole new offensive line. They got to improve the play calling on offense. I don't know about Dan Enos as an offensive coordinator there. Whereas I think with Florida State, I mean, look, they also need a new offensive line. But the, I, I could, I don't know. There's just something about Florida State where I say to myself, I think that they are a better team. I mean, they're going to play each other this year, and so we'll, we'll find out. I think Florida State's in a better spot. Willie Taggart has that program. I just have more faith in Willie Taggart than Manny Diaz. Both <laughs> are you coaches, sure? It seems like, like you're I mean, to talk yourself into this. They're, they're, I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> both these coaches have like a checkered past, you could say, yeah. as, as far as coaching goes. So I don't know. You're right. I mean, that's a really good question. They're both in a very similar spot. Do you want to know something that I just thought of that's kind of... Uh... Yeah, of course. Okay. So... I wonder if Florida State's athletic director has something about hiring guys with like, like, like kind of like uh, first names that are a little different, like Jimbo or Willie. You know, it's like that Southern. Like, I feel like if you're, I feel like maybe we should have seen this coming. If you're Willie Taggart and you get hired at Florida State, I think you got to be professional and change it to Will. So if he Will gets Taggart, fired, the, the, Will Taggart. I think uh, that's doesn't that sound more buttoned up? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely would never go by Willie Chambers on my professional, <laughs> know, right? Like on my resume. Jimbo Fisher, come on, yeah. Jim Fisher, man. Jim now, Fisher. now Jimbo's winning games, so it's a little bit different. Right? Interesting. So think what you're that. saying is the next head coach at Florida State should be, be like Jimmy. Uh, or... No, it, it's going to be Dino Babers. That's a Florida State name. That's what you're <laughs> that telling is. me. That is Dino Dino Babers. Okay. Maybe there's a maybe there's a I don't know some kind of Matthew McConaughey type guy out there. Maybe it's just Matthew McConaughey. That'd be sweet. <laughs> I mean, he, you know, he seems to know his shit when he was on game day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you picks, know what? His game day picks were actually pretty sharp. Okay. I, I, I want to make fun of him because, I, you know, the whole, all right, all right, all right. And the fact that he has a official title with the football program, he's their <laughs> spiritual coach, which is so fucking stupid. But when he gave out his game day picks, I don't know what his record was, but I thought, uh, you know what? He was pretty sharp. He seemed like he knew his stuff. I took a screenshot of this. Will maybe you can put this on the Twitter? What does that say? Okay, so it says it's it's a headline uh, right after the LSU Texas game, and the headline on ESPN says LSU is all right, all right, all right. Oh, that's Texas brutal. is not, and we so like that's the main headline. And under the headline, like the synopsis is another jab. Longhorn superfan Matthew McConaughey couldn't prevent Texas from losing a close one to LSU. I'm like. Was he on the field right, for question, this? Question. It's then, like he's Tyler. playing middle linebacker. Like, yeah. Is Matthew McConaughey on the hot seat? <laughs> right? It's like <laughs> that's how they're writing this. Longhorn superfan Matthew McConaughey couldn't prevent Texas from losing a close one to LSU, which is now firmly in the playoff. I picture. wonder if he's still got eligibility. Maybe they could get him out there. I would love to see that. I, Look, it's ridiculous. He's he's entertaining and he's funny and you can hate on him, but uh his his game day picks are pretty sharp. So also one other thing cooler I saw did. uh when I was watching Sports Center after all this madness. The turnover pencil. Did you see the turnover pencil? Oh, these God. these stupid turnover Who gimmicks. Harvard. Whether it's the chain, it was at Akron, and it's it's just like this <laughs> giant number two pencil. No. And I don't know what, what the significance is of why you get a pencil. What's a zip? Maybe it has something to do with that. 
maybe or you know they just say you know you're a hard worker you did your homework you get a pencil i don't know what the significance is or the context but it's hilarious and like you and i agree we think these gimmicks are stupid especially from like teams that are competing but if you're akron have some fun with it hold the (laughs) hold the turnover pencil up but like you know i feel like if you had gone preseason you know we'd we've seen the turnover pimp cane. We've seen the turnover chain. The pimp cane. There, yeah. Uh, who? There's another. It's another small team. I can't remember. They they have a cane. So like you get this special pimp cane you can walk with when you get the turnover. Oh so just give me a quick prediction because if anyone would have said a turnover pencil, you would have sounded like an idiot. Hmm. Just a quick. What's your, what's the next turnover gadget? Turnover keg. Turnover keg. Yeah, it has to be doing keg. No stands. way. You can't give that to college kids. Come on, think with your head. All right. Here's what I'm thinking. <laughs> what's wrong with the keg? Turnover. Turnover headphones. This is my real thing. I think oh, you're gonna this is see. Serious. They you want me to be yeah, real here. They'll get like Dre no beats. Fun. You get to put on that. You know that are, have some special significance. So I'm going with turnover headphones for my I, next one. I'm going to go turnover Halloween costume where you <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's a giant like dinosaur and you can walk around the inflatable and, dinosaur exactly thing. an Iron Man costume. That's not a bad idea. I'd like to see that. Now, what about a well now you got me going here. What about a turnover lawnmower and you get to go mow some of the <laughs> <laughs> I um, like that. <laughs> turnover jetpack. You get to go up to the very that top of the stadium. But cool. I mean, once I'd like to see all of turnover these, drone. Just so you know. Turnover drone. That's not actually. That's like the drone around. I Maybe it has like a banner on the back of the drone. It says turnover on it. That'd be kind of cool. All right. What about? Uh, I'm just. Let's just do this for the rest of the show. This is just, fun. No, let's just start a whole new turnover <laughs> gadget podcast. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, let, do you have any other notes from the week? By the way, before we move on. No, that pretty much wraps it up. All right, we're going to move on. Surprise predictions. So you mentioned, I think, we got a little taste of what yours was going to be. Uh, I believe you said it was North Carolina winning the whole championship, going to the playoff, beating Alabama. The, right? No, 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 no. So so I... Uh, Just give me... Give me you after know. I give my surprise prediction, I'm going to go get some coffee real quick. Yeah, sure. Um, all right, so my surprise prediction would be that UNC wins their division. Now, wow. are they uh, in the coastal or the Atlantic? Not no, that I even can remember they, which. They're in the coastal. So the other teams in their division that, well, I'll give all of them right now. Virginia, Duke, Georgia Tech, Pitt, Virginia Tech, Miami. I think obviously right now, early in the season, their biggest competitor would probably be Virginia. Oh yeah, Virginia on that looks list. the best. Yeah. I think so for sure. Syracuse, they're going to come up later in the show. Up, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think Virginia's a very good football team, so it's going to come down to those two. Um, but it's about surprise predictions, right? This, is, this isn't about you know normal predictions where everyone's going to be driving, going, yeah, yeah, I think that too. That is a surprise. Prediction, it is a though. surprise, yes. but I think it's a realistic surprise prediction because it's going to come down essentially right now the way things are shaping up to that North Carolina Virginia game, and so if they can win that one you know they, they, they've got a very good shot of uh facing clemson in the championship yeah okay uh what's your other one can i be a homer yeah go fight see you down the field see you is going to compete for the south now what does you, that mean that means that they're going to come in first or second is that is that for the south yeah even after how you've seen usc look exactly that that that's why it's a surprise that's why it's surprise. usc okay. Is used to st- again. The over has covered now nine of the last ten games at at USC because Stanford plays a different game at home than they do on the road. And when they go on the road, they usually have to kind of play. The- it's not often that Stanford goes on the road and dominates time of possession. Do- play you know plays their style of football. So what happens when they go to USC every year? 
they know each other. USC knows how to beat Stanford. So what we saw, in my opinion, was an offense that knew that defense. That 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 was going to happen either way. The over the over was probably the play. Will I was probably wrong with my handicap last week. And if KJ Costello would have played for Stanford, I think we just have a shootout. So I think everyone's right. kind of overreacting right now with USC. Utah is a very good team. I understand oh, yeah. how good Utah is. But I think that CU, given their schedule this year, they got a lot of their toughest games so at home. So top two. You, or you, you, top you, two. Second place, probably, right? You don't think they're going to win the South, do you? I mean, you think they can beat Utah? I'll go top two in the South. No, I don't. I okay. don't right now. All no, right. No. That's a, good, that's a bold let, prediction. Let, let's keep it realistic, but I think that, yeah, top two in the South. Okay. All right. For my surprise predictions, Maryland. You got a couple here? Got a couple good ones? I have a couple. Maryland. They, they both revolve around the Big Ten. Maryland, who, by the way, just blew the doors off of Syracuse this week. Uh, that line just reeked from the beginning. Syracuse was the ranked team. Maryland was unranked. Everyone kind of thought, how could this be true? Maryland just blows them out. Their four toughest games this year. They play Penn State at home week five, Michigan at home week two, at Ohio State week 11, at Michigan State week 14. Maryland will win two of these games. Maryland, I, I think, is going to beat Penn State at home week five. And I think that out of... Michigan at home, at Ohio State, at Michigan State, they can get another one there. How good is Penn State this year? I haven't followed them too much. Oh man, it's tough to say because look, they they lose a lot. They you know they don't have they lo- they lost Miles Sanders, their running back. They lose Trace McSorley, who I you know I think statistically is like the best quarterback that Penn State's ever had. Um, they had a bunch of guys transfer out. Not all of those were starters though, but they they end up losing a lot. They have a super good defense. I mean, like loaded defense. But the offense is a big question mark. They have a new quarterback, Sean Clifford, uh, new running back, uh, Slay, Ricky, something Slay. Um, I think it's Ricky Slay. And uh, that's the major question mark for them is on the offensive side. Now, look, you and I, I think, kind of feel the same way about James Franklin. I don't think he's a very good, uh, you know, decision maker. Most aerodynamic coach in college football. Yes, for sure. Look, I think he's kind of a turd, personally. I don't like like his, his... his interviews, like he's just so strange. He just seems like he should, instead of being a football coach, he should be like a personal trainer. He's just all talk. You know what I mean? But he looks like he should own a subway, maybe too. I'm not even talking about his looks. I just like his demeanor is just like, okay, bro, we're here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna make you elite. I just don't like it. But what one thing you cannot take away from him is he is a elite recruiter. I mean, Penn State has been recruiting at a level. You know, Ohio State, right there with Ohio State, higher than Michigan even since James Franklin has been at Penn State. So they have plenty of talent to fill in these spots, but what will they do with it? They've looked good these first two weeks, but they weren't against good teams. Uh, They play Pitt this week. I think they're at Pitt. Um, But once again, that's not going to be a huge predictor. Their schedule breaks down pretty nicely. But at when they go at Maryland week five, I think that is a huge trap game. Uh, And look, Maryland's offense is fast and explosive it was like if you were watching that Syracuse game it was like you would look down you get up to get a glass of water all of a sudden uh Maryland is scoring again and so if I I really think that Maryland their offense their defense isn't great but their offense is going to have them in a a lot of games they're going to be extremely hard to, to defend and I think that they win two of those games against the top of the Big Ten East all right my other surprise prediction Stay sticking here in the Big Ten. The Big Ten will not make the playoff this year. Uh, Ohio State, I think, is the best team. Wisconsin looks very, very good. Obviously, Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State, they're kind of all in that same category. We don't really know what they are yet, but they certainly have the talent or abilities to get there. 
But what I see happening in the Big Ten is that you're just going to see the Big Ten just eat itself. So maybe Ohio State loses when they play Michigan State or they lose one to Penn State and then maybe Michigan beats uh, Penn State, you know, so on and so forth. These, the, the top of the Big Ten is going to beat themselves up. You know, maybe Wisconsin is the only one that comes through and skates, but then they probably lose in the Big Ten championship game to Ohio State. That's my prediction. But I don't think – I think the Big Ten will be left out again. Uh, I see it much more likely that we see – two sec teams clemson and oklahoma okay wow that's yeah i was gonna say because no pac-12 teams getting in so yeah probably not all right not unless utah can go undefeated that's that's pretty bold will especially for michigan i kind of like i do what i can there yeah shout out to wise money sports the sponsor of our amazing podcast here. Wise Money Sports is really cool because you get multiple professional gamblers that all put their knowledge into one place. You can bet multiple sports. We're talking baseball, football, soccer, tennis, uh, hockey, everything you can imagine. They have a bunch of different packages. So like if you, you know, if you're a gambler that wants to make some money and you don't necessarily just want to go with their picks. You want some advice. You can get one-on-one advice with a professional gambler. Lots of different things you can do with them. So go ahead and check them out. Join the Wise Money team, wisemoneysports.com, and on Twitter at Wise Money Sports. All right, Tyler. Week three. Well, here we are. You know what I love about these these first few weeks is that with all these non-conference games. A, I think there's a lot of value to be had from a gambling standpoint, but I just love because you get all these great non-conference, you get, you know, matchups that you don't traditionally see, some really fun ones, and week three is definitely uh, no different. There's a ton of great games, so Tyler, well, let's... Well, it, it used to be where weeks one and two were the really, really down weeks, and then eventually you kind of started picking it up. I it, disagree. I feel like weeks one and two have kind of always been uh, great. Um, they, I, I think you're maybe what? right that, that in the last like five or six years, they've tried to kind of load up big matchups in those first couple weeks. But whenever you have non-conference opponents, there's always going to be big games. And so this week three, uh, excuse me, this week three, it just has a ton of you know huge matchups, and, and the best part is not only is it non-conference, we kind of get into some conference play too. There's a couple uh, conference games in here too, so let's just get right into it. All right. Uh, first game: Washington State Cougars at Houston. Uh, Washington State right now, I believe, is favored by seven, maybe seven and a half. A lot of these numbers are kind of moving around from early in the week. Now look composite ra- ratings if you look at all the different rating services you can go to football outsiders you can look at Sagarin, you can look at all these different rating services all of these ratings have washington state as a heavy favorite houston though has a really good offense their quarterback diara king he's a dual threat guy he can score a ton of points through the air with his feet and we all you know we we know that houston's defense isn't great especially after that uh week one showing against oklahoma Washington State on the other side, very similar. Not a super strong defense, but a you know that Mike Leach offense is just potent. So their quarterback Anthony Gordon is having a great start to the year. I love this game. So the over under for here is seventy five. By the way, I really like the over. Uh, I don't love Washington State being a seven point favorite on the road, uh, laying that many points at Houston. But you look only four starters back on defense for Houston. 
Same goes for Houston. Only six back on defense for, or excuse me, for Washington State. Only six starters back from that defense. So for this game, I just see a ton of points being scored. I'm slightly leaning Washington State, but I love the over of 75 here. That that just seems. Whenever I get two teams like this, the over just seems like it's 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 square, right? Like you get uh, the, the highest ever total. Week one in the FBS was Houston OU. They tied that total. Well, depending on when you got it. It right. landed on 80. Houston knows how to move the football. Houston's a good team. Washington State, very similar team. So I, I think like the first thing that everyone's going to think is the over. So I lean over too, but I'm scared about games like that because right. I look at it and I feel like everybody and their mother across the world is going to say, oh, this is going to be a lot of points. So I lean over, but I'm always just terrified doing that it's, it's so this much, is just essentially so much self-conscious things <laughs> just seep in when you just it's like a big time. 12 game because you have mike leach it's like, almost like he's back in the big 12 with washington state right and so i just don't you know look it's fine to say yeah everyone and their mother is going to be on the over but just tell me where the defense is going to show up yeah. you know in order to convince me to take the under that's all i'm saying so um no you're right and i mean when you start looking at some of these standout players everyone's on both offenses it's not like i see any advantage either defense is going to have and I don't see either coach wanting to slow things down here. We're going to get a lot of possessions in this game, which certainly yep. uh, leans towards the over. I do think that you look at some trends, right? It's important to distinguish what trends are important and what trends aren't important. And it's very difficult in college because you're, you're constantly recycling players. But these are simple facts. Houston in their last couple uh, years of football. So uh, Houston is 4-1 against the spread their last five uh, after gaining less than 170 passing yards in the previous game. Why is that important? Houston's a passing offense. Houston's a passing team. When they make mistakes in the passing game, they quickly adjust those mistakes, and it usually only takes one week before we see uh, a, a brand new team on the field. Well, we see this a lot in college football. That's actually... It, we, we talked about it uh, uh, with... Um, oh, what was the example we just gave with the offense that they completely uh, changed on a dime? Um... Maybe about Michigan? No, well, that that's another good example of one that could change. Well, e either way. Um, LSU, perhaps? I don't know. Yeah, but it, it happens all the time in college football. I think, again, 4-1 against the spread their last five after not doing so well on offense is a huge indication that they know how to write the ship and know how to write things. I think that we're going to see a big a performance out of uh, uh, Houston uh, after that. And 6-2 uh, and two against the spread their last eight following and against the spread loss. So I looked at... How does Houston do after underperforming in their last game? And they always come back so strong. Um, they've got, you know, um, good coaching staff now. I think that they've made improvements there. So, yeah, I lean Houston here. Okay. Uh, next up, Ohio State minus 14 at Indiana. Now, Ohio State, obviously, first two weeks, uh, you know, a, a solid victory week one against FAU. They didn't cover the spread, and then they blow out Cincinnati last week. Offense all over the place. Uh, now you look at Indiana. They have a new quarterback starting this year. He's a redshirt freshman. His name is Michael Penix Jr. Uh, he's a dual threat guy, which is something very new for Indiana. Traditionally, you know, the guys, Peyton Ramsey was the guy last year. He's now the backup to Michael Penix. Those guys are much more, you know, uh, pocket passers uh, type. M Michael Penix is a true dual threat, which does give them a new wrinkle on offense. However, Indiana hasn't beaten Ohio State in more than 30 years. In the last three years, Ohio State's average margin of victory versus Indiana, 24 points. Uh, this young new quarterback is not battle-tested for Indiana. Ohio State's defense, I mentioned it earlier in the show, they look sharp this year. They're not giving up the big plays like last year. They're very disciplined. Obviously, they're loaded. Uh, you've got 
Um, Chase Young on the defensive line, who's just a pass rushing machine, you know, very likely could go top three in the draft. I love Ohio State here, and once again, we'll be hammering the first half spread for Ohio State. I haven't seen the number yet. I am guessing it's somewhere around eight, uh, seven and a half, eight, with the line being at fourteen. I like Ohio State to cover this fourteen point spread, and I will be hammering the first half. Yeah, I'm on the same page there. You covered it pretty much. I think Indiana, a uh, good football team, but I'm not going to go against Ryan Day right now. He's shown me way too much early in the season. Um, I'm not about to fade Ohio State. Gotcha. Next game. Stanford Cardinal, plus seven and a half. They travel all the way east to Central Florida. So Stanford, they just got embarrassed on the road against Southern California. Uh, And now they go... uh, Sorry, excuse me. They get embarrassed on the road against Southern California with a freshman backup quarterback, and it doesn't get any easier. Now they go to UCF, a hot team that has had this Stanford game circled all offseason. UCF may catch a lot of shit for playing in the AAC and claiming national championships they didn't actually win, but all the ratings agree that they are a legit team. Sagarin, S&P Plus, F Plus from Football Outsiders, all of them agree that UCF is a top 15 team in the country, and all of them have Stanford outside the top 30 right now. Now, I think KJ Costello is expected to be back for this game for Stanford, but the real problem for the Cardinal is their inexperienced defense with only five starters back from 2018. They may have looked strong at home against Northwestern in week one, but week two on the road, USC hangs 45 on them. UCF has eight starters back on what was already an explosive offense. Brandon Wimbush has transitioned about as smoothly as you can ask from a transfer quarterback. I see Stanford struggling to keep up with an explosive UCF offense. I like UCF to cover, and I also like the over in this game, which is only 58, by the way. Is it really? Yeah. Um, I mean, you mentioned Wimbush. He's been such an uh, addition for UCF, and I think that's what's kind of cool about these kind of programs is, I mean, even though Missouri's, I think, one step up, obviously they're in the SEC, they get Kelly Bryant. It's a nice landing spot for some of these transfer quarterbacks. Uh, UCF right now, eighth in total offense in the FBS, and, uh, I mean, they're just improving right now week by week. You mentioned the the team ratings and, and where everyone has these two teams slotted. Look, I mean, Stanford, if KJ Costello is healthy, if he's back, it's one thing, but... I just think that they proved last week, even though they got off, off to a good start. Let's not forget, Stanford was up 17-3 in that game. Yeah, um, They led 20-10 before giving up 35 unanswered. So they still kind of moved it early on, and then they just had nothing else in their pocket. I wonder with another week to, to kind of get some more wrinkles in the offense to give this freshman a little bit more uh, you know, snaps, first-team snaps. It may change things, but I certainly... Uh, lean UCF. It's a very good football team. They're at home. Stanford going, as you said, again, West Coast to East Coast. Uh, give me Central Florida. All right. We're same there. Big dog here. Alabama. Minus 25 and a half at South Carolina. Bama, heavy favorite for good reason. Uh, the Gamecocks had a lot of hype as an improved team, only to fall to the Tar Heels in a disappointing week one loss. They take out their frustration against Charleston Southern in week two. They thrash them 72 to 10. But this is the first real test now for Nick Saban's team, and I expect the Tide to look sharp and score early. I do expect Bama to cover the first half spread, which I think right now is right around 14 or 15. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Bama cover the whole game too. But once again, I love this first half spread for Alabama. It seems like you lean towards these first half big big covers. Is it because you expect these teams to come out strong and then again take their foot off the gas late in the game? Yeah, I mean, it, with Bama, it's even less. I mean, historically, they, they tend to cover... 
Uh, you know, in the last in the last couple of years, they've been a really good first half team, and they do kind of let their foot off the gas. But for this one, it's I think it's more just because Alabama has just played Duke and uh, who, who they, New Mexico State week two. So South Carolina is like a real opponent on the schedule, and I'm sure you know Nick Saban gave this big uh, impassioned. Uh, remark in the post game when asked about you know scheduling teams like New Mexico and he's saying look <laughs> we'll schedule whoever is willing to play us a lot of teams aren't willing to play us and so I think that he you know he wants to play tough teams he wants his his players to be able to get better against good opponents and South Carolina is a good opponent it's an SEC team I just see Bama is wanting to jump out early and make a statement yeah I got nothing else on this good uh, good cap there okay uh, we talked about it earlier Southern Cal now they go on the road Four and a half point favorites at BYU. Is it four and a half? Uh, it, I don't know, maybe it's moved. Uh, no, no, no. I, I I have three here, but yeah, I think it's jumped up. Okay. Uh, it, wow. it, it may have opened about three, but yeah, it has it has jumped up. People are down on BYU, huh? Uh, look, I mean, I think that people see Southern Cal's uh, performance last week against Stanford, and you know, pretty high on that offense. So you know, look, big things are happening at USC. We talked about Lin Swan retiring, which only turns up the heat on Clay Helton's hot seat. But, uh, you know, the only thing Clay Helton can do right now to try to keep his job is win games. And that Stanford blowout is a, ma- a major feather in the cap for him. What we saw from week one in the Holy War, though, from BYU is that Provo, Utah, is not an easy place to play. And the Cougars are now officially battle-tested through two weeks. They beat uh, Tennessee in week two. They play a tough Utah team in week one. So this one is just tricky to me because the BYU offense has not shown a capability to move the ball down the field and put up points. USC's offense has certainly looked potent, but this is their first road game of the year, and they have to go up into altitude in Utah. So I think it's hard to put a lot of faith into a freshman backup quarterback on the road uh, in a tough environment. So I'm cautiously picking USC here. I just don't have a lot of faith in BYU. Uh, and for me, I just think that the floor for USC is a low-scoring game where they can pull out a win late, and the ceiling is a full-on blowout. So I'm, you know, I'm not crazy about it, but if I have to pick this one, I'm definitely leaning Southern Cal. We mentioned in the North Carolina with with North Carolina how winning and losing changes mentalities. I think BYU's win last week, be it double overtime, I don't care who it was against, it's a big-time win and something to build off of. And I think it's easy in the locker room to say, look, we always play Utah tough. Utah's a top 10 team this year. That's probably what they're saying in their locker room. We're okay with that loss. Let's move forward. Let's take care of business this year. I think BYU is actually going to come out and surprise a lot of people this game. You mentioned uh, Slovis. It's his first time on the road. I think he's going to have an insanely difficult time at Provo. And as a team, BYU is averaging just over 320 yards of total offense, 21.5 points a game this season. I think if this thing turns into a shootout, BYU has the advantage. You mentioned you see a bit of a lower scoring affair. Didn't didn't, didn't you say that you see fewer points on the board? Uh, I just kind of see, you know... I definitely could see it. However, I could also see Southern Cal blowing them out. However, the over/under is only 55, so that's not a huge number. Right. Um, so you know, it's just a tricky one to call. I think that you, I think that BYU is going to force a couple turnovers, and I think they may, they may get the win here. Um, I think we are looking at a live underdog, and as this line continues to climb, I would say hold off because sometimes you want to buy lines early, sometimes you want to wait. This is a game where I see a, I see a lot of public money coming in on USC as we get through the week. I think people are going to say, hey, I'll take USC all the way up to six and a half or so. I believe late money comes in on Southern Cal. I will take BYU. But Will, can, can we lock it in at like a late, or do we have to do today's uh, 
today's uh, line? Four and a half. If we're going to put it on the bet board, I think we have to do what we have now. Well, then we'll go with four and a half. But okay. for all the listeners out there, I would wait as long as as long as possible. Yeah, I could definitely see that number getting all the way up to give six me, or six and a, a half. Yeah. All right, so we'll put that on the bet board. USC also, I got a couple more stats here. Three, nine, and one against the spread their last 13 road games. Seven, 18, and one against the spread their last 26 games overall, while the over is 14-6-1 their last 21 non-conference games. If we do see a lot of points, like I said, it does favor BYU. Meanwhile, BYU, 6-1 their last seven against their... 6-1 their last seven at home against the spread. I think we all remember what what uh, didn't cover. It was earlier this year against Utah. And they're also 8-1 against the spread. Their last nine as an underdog facing Pac-12 teams. Wow. They perform very well against Pac-12 teams. Give me BYU at home plus 4.5. Okay. That one's going on the bet board. Next up, I love this game. Oklahoma State, 14-point favorites at Tulsa. Now, through two weeks, Tulsa has a lot of people fooled into thinking that they're a good defensive team because they held Michigan State to just 19 offensive points in week one and followed that up with just giving up 16 points allowed against San Jose State in week two. Now, here's the problem with that, though. Michigan State and San Jose State are two of the worst offensive teams in college football. Michigan State's offense was historically bad in 2018 and does not look much improved this season. San Jose State is a team that went 1-11 in 2018 and couldn't score on any team with a pulse. This Oklahoma State offense will be by far the best uh, that the Golden Hurricane will face all year long. And you can expect that deadly trio from Oklahoma State of Spencer Sanders at quarterback, Chuba Hubbard at running back, and wide receiver Tylen Wallace to have a field day. Take the Cowboys while you can get them at 14 because I'm, this number is sure to move. This is one of my favorite bets of the week. Yeah, I, I just look at both teams non-conference, and you see two different teams who perform very di- – and, and let's face it, Tulsa's been a pretty competitive team for a while, but these stats go back the last couple years when Tulsa was good. Uh, Tulsa, let's see here, 3-10. and 10 against the spread their last 13 games against the Big 12. And meanwhile, Oklahoma State, 5-1 and one against their spread, the last six overall. And non-conference, when Oklahoma State goes out of conference, their last 28 games, they're 21-7 and seven against the spread. They're very wow, good when they go huge. and play non-Big 12 teams. I love uh, Oklahoma State here. Will, uh, also, the, is it still 14? Yeah, I think so. Maybe I saw it 14 good, this morning. Maybe a good tease option, too. If you're looking to put uh, any teams in any teasers, take Oklahoma State down from 14 to 7. I like the extra cushion there. Okay, love it. This next one, rivalry game, the Cyhawk game. We got Iowa, the uh, Iowa Hawkeyes going at Iowa State Cyclones, the Cyhawk game. Now, look, this is a really interesting game because this game opened up with Iowa State being a one-and-a-half-point favorite. A ton of money has come in for Iowa. Iowa is now a one-and-a-half or two-point favorite, depending on where you're looking. The over-under is only 44, so this this is predicted to be a very low-scoring game. Uh, Look, the Cyclones, they have a bye week to prepare, uh, an extra week, and that week one showing against Northern Iowa was terrible. They had to pull it out in triple overtime, so there's a lot of question marks. You know, can their offensive line get enough push to be able to run the ball or can they protect uh, Brock Purdy and give him enough time to throw the ball when forced into long down distance the biggest question mark uh, for Iowa on the other hand is do they have uh, some some targets on the outside for Nate Stanley to throw to right Nate Stanley is their quarterback they have Makai Sargent at running back they've shown themselves to be very good but the wide receiver in the tight end position is a little bit lacking. So who's going to step up in the receiving game to catch passes? They, they have A.J. Epineza on the defensive line, who is a monster pass rusher. 
If I'm forced to pick the spread here, I think I'm taking the Cyclones just because they are at home now. Uh, but I like the under 44 for this game. I think you could see this game being very low scoring. Well, here's the thing. You mentioned Nate Stanley, how good he's been this year. I completely agree. Uh, quarterback for um, Iowa. Right up there in the conversation with Justin Fields, could be the best quarterback in the Big Ten. But your concern, do they have the receivers on the outside? I think that gets negated in this game because of Iowa State's poor pass rush. If there's one thing we've seen so far from the Cyclones, they're really struggling getting to the quarterback. That's like their one deficiency on defense. Yeah. You give extra time to Iowa on offense, and I think that those receivers get some more separation. So because of that, one more check mark to Iowa. So I do lean uh, Hawkeyes here. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Want to put that on the backboard? No, it's a lean. Okay. Um, the how, do Cyhawk, the, how do you feel about the total? It's, it's called the Cyhawk. That's they, yeah, the, you know the Cyclones and the. You know what that reminds me of? Do you uh, watch The Office? Uh, yeah, I mean at least the first like few seasons. Have you seen re- the one with Recyclops? No, I Where haven't. Dwight is Recyclops. That <laughs> sounds that, cool though. <laughs> that reminds sounds me. Sounds really cool. Yeah, but uh, no, it's just a lean there for me. Okay, fair enough. I'm excited about that game though. I think it's gonna be a good matchup. It was exciting the last couple of years. Next game, Florida, the Gators, minus nine right now at Kentucky. I think this game opened up for Florida an 11-point favorite. Wow. So Kentucky's quarterback, Terry Wilson, he's out for the year with a knee injury suffered in last week's win over Eastern Michigan. Their backup quarterback, Sawyer Smith, he came in in relief and threw two touchdowns. But, Tyler, this Florida defense is a whole lot better than Eastern Michigan. Now, Kentucky in 2018 got their first win against rival Florida since 1986. And I like what Mark Stoops has built the Kentucky but this game is a no-touch for me. I lean Florida, but laying nine points on the road doesn't make me feel too comfortable, especially knowing how Felipe Franks has a tendency to be erratic at times. To me, I just don't love this either way. If, I'm, if it's gun to my head, I guess I'm taking Kentucky with the points just because it is a rivalry game, but I don't love it. Yeah, nine points, Kentucky at home. I mean, this is usually a pretty good game. I know they won last time for the first year in a while, but Kentucky... Uh, I think that they'll hang around. I lean Kentucky as well, certainly. Okay. And staying in the state of Florida, Florida State, they are seven-point underdogs going at Virginia. Now, look, my rule right now is I'm going to fade Florida State until they prove they can play four quarters of football. The Seminoles needed a missed point after in overtime in order to beat Louisiana Monroe last (laughs) week to get their first win, and that was at home too. Justin Blackman, their quarterback, Certainly has shown flashes of greatness, but he continues to make mistakes turning over the football. He threw a pick six against Louisiana Monroe, and that's against much uh, greater, or excuse me, much inferior talent. Now they travel to Virginia to face their toughest opponent so far this season. You and I have both been all over Virginia this year. We love Bryce Perkins. We love the Cavaliers' defense. But most importantly, we love Bronco Mendenhall. Virginia has the better quarterback, the better defense, and the better head coach. I like Virginia here, minus seven. I'm just going to, once again, I'm going to fade Florida State until they prove me wrong. God, you look at games where you wish they would have played in the first week. I mean, I talk about all the time how early in the season, which is so different than many other outlets. I've heard a lot of people on a lot of TV stations, radio stations say, uh, early in the year, it's where you don't want to bet a lot of money. It's completely opposite for me. I find early in the season where you, where you get all your value. If Florida State and Virginia would have played the first week of the season, Florida State's a two-touchdown favorite. Yeah. You know? So the reason why I still... Look, I still like Virginia. This is actually one of my games that I like this week that would be a game of the year if the market really hadn't caught up to both teams right now. What we're seeing, Virginia exceeding expectations against uh, uh, Pittsburgh, and then they blow out William & Mary, I understand. But they've looked 
good this year. I mean, yeah. I mean, again, exceeding expectations hugely against the spread. And in Florida State, we already mentioned Willie Taggart. We're both selling this guy. So many things line up here for, for, for Virginia that I still like it at seven. Seven and a half, I think it's moving towards that direction. I actually, I don't always recommend buying points. If you can buy a half point on your site, I like taking it down to seven. Um, I think that's going to be a key number this game. But I still like Virginia. Better team, better coaching staff. They're playing at home. They have huge expectations. They can see the path to the ACC championship this year, as we talked about earlier. And uh, the Seminoles are just not a good team in September. They're 1-7-1 against the spread their last nine. We know Willie Taggart struggles to get this team ready, especially on the road. And meanwhile, Virginia, this team's underrated at home. I know we talked about them this year, but even dig into last year, their last nine games at home, they've covered seven times against the spread. Give me the Cavaliers here to uh, route. Did you see that after uh, Florida State's week one loss to Boise State, Willie Taggart, uh, you know, he was claiming the team was dehydrated in the second half, and that's kind of why they why they lost. That's a, that's you know what he needs. He needs he needs Tom Herman's piss chart. Have you, have you ever seen? <laughs> are you, do you know what I'm talking about? No. Tom Herman when he first showed up at Texas, he he started posting these these uh, like flyers or, or posters up on the wall all, all inside the football facilities, and it was like a color chart, like what color your pee should be no. in order to prove that you're you know it's, that you're fully hydrated. If well, it's, if you it's yellow, you got to drink more water. It needs to be white. I think Willie Taggart needs the piss chart. Okay, you're you're joking, but that's re- that that is it's all coaching. Yeah, that is all coaching. Having your team ready to go, like conditioning, and so yeah. Tom or Herman it's just to, throwing your conditioning staff Her- un- <laughs> under the bus because you suck at coaching. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like that's on Willie Taggart yeah. to have his team ready to go with the conditioning. Why, I don't, you, that, why don't you I, fax him over a copy of the piss chart, okay? <laughs> I think that's actually kind of a good thing, man. Okay. I think that's, that's funny. I mean, look, it is hysterical, but it's it's true. And, yeah. and you know, I think that... Got to stay hydrated. Well, like it is. Especially in the South, good. it's hot. Uh, Virginia, I like it. Last but not least, I love this game as well. Oklahoma going on the road at UCLA. Now this number is this is number has jumped up a ton. It opened up Oklahoma's 17 point favorites. Today it is all the way up to 23 and a half. Now just from a normal handicapping viewpoint, I would definitely be on the Sooners here, you know, X's and O's, they have more talent, but what especially has me all over Oklahoma in this one, it's all about motivation. So you're a UCLA player, you start out the season with a loss at Cincinnati. Okay. You know, that's not so bad. You come home next week and lose to a Mountain West team in San Diego State. How does Chip Kelly look these kids in the eye and tell them they can beat Oklahoma? How are you going to be motivated for that? On top of that, I read a story today uh, about how UCLA was giving away, they were giving away four tickets to the Oklahoma game to any season ticket holder on their way out last week. That tells me that they know no one's showing up. (laughs) The fans aren't in it. There goes any great uh, home field advantage that the Bruins have. I think you're going to see a lot of red in the stadium. I think that you know, we've seen UCLA's offense really struggle these first two weeks to be able to score points. That spells trouble to me if you want to come anywhere close to keeping up with Oklahoma. Oklahoma's going to score 40-plus, I think, here. And I don't know if, you know, that Oklahoma defense has looked improved. This will be a good road test for them. I don't think UCLA is going to be able to score any points here. Even though that number has jumped up all the way to 23.5, I see Oklahoma just blowing them out. I'm picking Oklahoma here. Yeah, I like Oklahoma as well. I mean, how do you not think they're just going to route them? I like the first half bet. It's probably going to be about 13, 14. You said it's up to 23. Yeah. Yeah, probably about 13 or so, 13 and a half. I like it all the way up to 13 and a half in the first half. I think Oklahoma comes out strong. I think UCLA has a really difficult time 
And again, a theme that, that I've talked about a few times today is the mentality of these kids. I mean, you start off the season, brand new year, you're 0-0, you know, bad year last year under Chip Kelly. The narrative around Los Angeles, around UCLA is Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Chip Kelly, new year, new expectations. Now you're quickly 0-2. I could see a lot of these guys... You know, I know it's early, but kind of quitting, kind of throwing in a towel, For not sure. playing as hard as you. And let's face it. You know what, Will? I actually kind of like both. I'm talking myself into it because let's face it. If Oklahoma does cover the first half spread, let's say they're up 20 at halftime, that's going to demoralize UCLA. You, do you see really see the Bruins coming together at halftime and, right. and making a second half comeback? So I like both first half and the game line for Oklahoma here. I'm talking myself into it like the Sooners. Yeah. All right. That, that's it. I do have a one more game, actually. Oh, okay. Add it. It, it, it's the CU Buffs. They're they're playing Air Force. I like CU minus four right now. That's the line you can get it at most places. And I understand that Air Force is an option team. Will, when we uh, came into the studio today, I told Will that I made a bet on CU, and he said, you know, look, it's an option offense. Look what happened last week with Michigan and Army. And, I mean, <laughs> after watching that game, how can that not be the first thing you say? But Air Force is a different team. And Air Force, when they throw, when they when they face teams that have elite receivers, Air Force has never done well. Go back to 2014. Every single receiver Air Force has faced that ended up in the NFL caught at least 175 yards. So the the CU Buffs, for those who don't know, have one of the best receiving cores in the Pac-12, if not the nation. This is their by far the best unit on their entire team is their receivers. Yeah. Lavisca Chenault probably going to be a first round receiver pick. Uh, and that's not naming the two or three other very electric, very talented, fast receivers on the outside. What I think we see in this game is a lot of scoring quickly from CU. I'm not saying that the Buffs are going to necessarily stop Air Force, but I think that they've run an up-tempo offense. I think that CU doesn't do their typical ground and pound because they know they're not going to beat Air Force at their own game. Increase the possessions in this game. Give Cepho, give uh, Cepho Lufa, we're going back in <laughs> the, uh, exactly. Give Steven Montez more opportunities to throw the football, more possessions, and I think they eat Air Force alive. I like passing props this game. I like Steven Montez over 280 passing yards. I like receiver props this game. I think the offense goes off, and I like CU minus four as my best bet of the weekend against Air Force. Oh, man. All I got to say is after seeing uh, a service academy team <laughs> and a triple option, yeah, that's a tough one. So. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for the show this week, guys. If you like the show, make sure you go subscribe, comment. That really helps us. We're on Spotify, iTunes. Uh, Stitcher, tune in all the shows. iHeart as well now. iHeart as well. Anywhere you can find a podcast. Also on Twitter, check us out at CFB Weekly. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.